Welcome to the very first Enrollment Insights Podcast. My name is Will Patch. I'm the Enrollment Marketing Leader here at Niche.com. Today, we're going to be talking about using social listening in order to inform authentic communications with Liz Gross. Liz is the CEO of Campus Owner. Welcome, Liz. Thanks for having me, Will. I'm excited to be the first. My goal is for this to be a podcast that can help start conversations and really help offices ask questions that will drive some change. We're going to start out with four questions I'll be asking everybody. The first one, what's something you tried that didn't work and what did you learn? Something I've tried that didn't work. This is funny because it's something I still think other people should try. I tried influencer marketing for Campus Sonar. Uh, measured it and realized it's not something that works in our B2B higher ed space, and we don't do it anymore. That's great that you tried that with so many places really recommending them and, and all the talk about influencers in general. Were you using more large-scale influencers or micro-influencers? Oh, they were micro-influencers, real humans, some of whom you probably talk to on a regular basis. <laughs> I, I also really appreciate uh, real people. My next question is about the practices you use to brainstorm and bring in new ideas to Campus Sonar. A lot of it is just paying attention. Um, So Twitter is a big part of my life, and it's where I get a lot of really interesting ideas also from um, different groups on Facebook and LinkedIn. So I spend a lot of time on social media just kind of absorbing what other folks are doing. And then in in terms of brainstorming our own ideas, I just keep a notebook handy and I write down when something comes to me and then find out it might have value a week, a month, or a year later. That's great. Do you ever sit down as an office and talk about the ideas that people have been coming up with? <laughs> we have a, we actually have a somewhat regular lunchtime optional meeting called the Big Ideas Meeting, where we just talk about cool stuff that we've read or seen or been thinking about. Sometimes it's related to work and sometimes it's not. Uh, but it's a time for us to really just talk about ideas that aren't prescribed to fit any sort of framework or check any boxes. And not only do we talk about some really cool ideas, we usually learn some really interesting things about each other (laughs) during this time. (laughs) I love that. That's uh, and is that something everyone dials into then? Yes. It's a massive zoom call. (laughs) (laughs) Our last of these questions. So which is the worst excuse saying that you have no budget or that you have no time? Saying that you have no time. Do you want a why? I always <laughs> want the why. Yeah, you knew what I was going to ask. We all have the same amount of time. You don't have any more or less than I do. It's just how you choose to spend it. Exactly. I think that's a big thing is what do you prioritize? Okay, now for what I actually asked you here for. Uh, when it comes to social listening, that's a term not enough people are aware of. Mm-hmm. So can you just tell us what social listening is and how can enrollment marketing use it? Absolutely. So before jumping into the definition, it's the idea that we probably all realize that individuals and organizations are creating more and more online content every single day. Each day, there are literally millions of little tiny pieces of content, whether that's a tweet or a forum post or a news article or a comment on a YouTube video or the video itself. These pieces of content are all over the internet, and they're reflecting the thoughts and feelings and behaviors of the people who are using the internet. Social listening is the idea of finding those mentions and pieces of content that are of interest to you, 
and then analyzing it so that you can identify opportunities and insights just as you would any other set of audience data. But this is a, a widely available, incredibly vast, and always growing, potentially real-time source of intelligence. And I'm so excited about it because I believe we've moved so much of our lives online. You know, we, we do our work online. We meet significant others online. Uh, political candidates do a lot of their campaigning and governing online. Yes. <laughs> so what happens online is not some sort of alternate reality. Like when the internet first came out, we used to talk about online and in real life as if they were different things. It's really clear now that the internet is not an alternate reality. It is simply a reflection of reality. So social listening is a way to make sure you're capturing what is being said and what people are doing that is of interest to you so that you can become more audience-centric and more informed and really understand more about the audiences that you care about. So in terms of enrollment and marketing using this, um, there's three kind of general ways that social listening can be useful. One is simply understanding the scope of conversation about a campus. So looking wide and far for any mention of the campus, its nicknames, its key executives, and understanding really what are people saying about the institution, and even what is the institution and its um, staff and students saying about themselves. So there's this, this idea of awareness and reputation. There's another way to go about it, which is just understanding more about a topic. So you could do social listening around people that are talking about applying to college or making admissions decisions and get a really interesting set of insights on that particular conversation. And then the last is more of like a virtual focus group where instead of choosing the topic that you're listening to, you choose the population that you're listening to. So maybe you would identify a group of hundreds or thousands of individuals who work at high schools that have social media accounts and just use that as a virtual focus group and understand over time, what are the things they talk about? Who influences them? What, what topics are top of mind? Where are they talking online? So that you could better understand a larger audience without limiting what exactly you're looking for. And then for all of this, all but the most basic uses of social listening, you know, the idea of searching Twitter or searching Reddit or searching YouTube using the search bar, most of this is powered by software, and we're not going to talk in depth about software, I suspect, uh, but this is an interesting, um, innovative, evolving space. The software that's out there to do this has really been only around for 10 or 15 years. So quickly moving, lots of mergers, acquisitions, everything is evolving, but it's just one more way that we can use software to strengthen our abilities and our reach to get some really interesting insights. Yeah, that's something we'll put in the notes then. I love that idea that, that online really is a reflection of reality. Everything in the early days used to be these chat rooms where everything was anonymous and people just behaved horribly, but that's really shifted. Uh, and you have a lot more people putting their actual name on accounts and, and really being accountable for what they're saying, how they're behaving. It's much more of a reflection of a real conversation. Right. And even if they do stay anonymous, they and often are bearing their soul, <laughs> how they feel about life experiences or choices they have to make or relationships that they've had. And there's valuable intelligence to be had there 
even if you don't know the individual that was sharing that information. You've really surfaced some great insights from anonymous student reviews and stories online. If you haven't already, I really recommend everyone to head over to the Campus Sonar blog, give it a read, subscribe to the newsletter. You'll learn a lot. So how many people do you think still believe that social listening only happens on social? <laughs> uh, more than half. <laughs> what I would say. I even yeah. think that there's a leap that needs to be made from social media monitoring to social listening. So hopefully everyone listening has somebody in their office who is in charge of social media monitoring, meaning when people are tagging the accounts that you're on or sending you a private message, you're actually paying attention to that and responding. It's like picking up the phone when somebody calls. Um, mm -hmm. that's just monitoring. Listening is, at least the way I think about listening, is really more of this holistic collection of data when people are talking not just to you, but about you or about that topic that you're interested in and being able to analyze it in many different ways rather than just looking at individual lines on a spreadsheet. I like that. I'm hearing it as the distinction between listening to someone and hearing them, yeah. being adjacent to the conversation, and really engaging. I love it. So how do institutions take action on what they find, whether that's a student really excited about their acceptance or a whole account dedicated to the cleanliness of bathrooms on campus? Because often <laughs> the person doing the social listening or the social monitoring is not the same person who can take action. And there can be a sense of powerlessness in that. Right. So this truly also could be a long, long discussion <laughs> that gets into the weeds. But I want to think just specifically about how folks who work in enrollment marketing are taking action and what they find. Um, mm -hmm. The first and probably easiest to understand is this idea of a micro moment, that one mention from one person that gives an institution a chance to engage either online or offline or to do something. So this could be where somebody says online, you know, I just toured Campus X and everything seemed really great. But what I wish I really knew is how a student just like me, maybe an LGBTQ student or a student from out of state or someone who's starting, you know, at a younger age, I really wish I knew how someone like that experienced the campus. And that's not an unlikely thing <laughs> to find through social listening. Right there, there's an opportunity for that institution to say, wow, this is a way for us to differentiate ourselves and to help this student really make a, a stronger decision after this visit. So you can actually then respond to that student and connect them with a, a student that has that experience they want. So person-to-person -person connections can be a way to do this. Or something as basic as a student might have a question like, okay, I applied to campus XYZ, now what? Also questions <laughs> that we've come across when looking at campuses. And more than likely, the admission staff thinks that that is really obvious, <laughs> what should happen next. But you know, this particular student doesn't. So it's very quickly, you can respond and let them know what's, what's happening next and open the door for more questions. So those are the micro moments of you found an individual, they have a need, they're expressing a, a question or a hesitancy, and you can jump in and respond. Do students need to raise their hand and say, I have a question, or I have a problem, or can you do some sentiment analysis and start seeing some trends? For example, out-of-state students are having more problems 
uh, than in-state students or, or other trends like that? How do we use all that information? Exactly. Like th- that is the type of, of macro analysis that can be so helpful. So step back from the one mention or the one student who, who you're seeing a, a mention from somewhere online and think about a group of mentions, a dozen or a couple hundred, and your, your segmentation makes sense. Like where are they coming from in-state or out-of-state? Or maybe are they talking about our business programs versus our STEM programs versus something else? Uh, what are they talking about in terms of topics that are surfacing. So you could do kind of a quick topical analysis. What are the most common things they're saying? Is their sentiment changing based on the time of year? Uh, One of the things we found in a recent admissions study that we did was that there is a lot of fear in the online conversation of students before they get their acceptance decisions. Uh, after acceptance, there's joy and happiness and they're really excited. But in that whole time when they're deciding where to apply and waiting back on a decision, the overarching emotion is fear. And if you dive into what are those topics that are causing fear, how can we help alleviate fear? How can we be the campus that makes them feel safe rather than fearful? All of that is you know changes to content strategy of what's on the website or what's on social channels, or maybe even changes to Comflow based on these trends that you're seeing so that you can uncover audience needs and speak back to them in their specific language because it's their language that you are analyzing in order to create your interventions or your Comflow in the first place. Okay, can you say more about that? When you say speaking their language, do you mean that I have to say things like dab on my haters like the kids do? <laughs> uh, or, um, or I, how I, do we do that? Maybe if it's, you know, <laughs> to, to, to the personality of your institution. Um, but more so, you know, we forget what our jargon is like um, on campus and even in a specialty organization like Campus Sonar. See what students are talking about and what is top of mind for them. I, I can't think of a campus that we've whose conversation we've looked at where there is not a some sort of theme of admitted students or prospective students wanting to hear about and these are their words the dining halls and the dorms (laughs) those are the two things they want to talk about when you say residence hall you're not really getting to their desires and if you want to talk about your world-class faculty and your small class sizes that's great but they have questions right now about dining and living and that's what they want to hear about. And you will you will see that it's abundantly clear if you're truly listening to what they're saying to their peers online at that time. Yeah, it's funny. As you said that, the very first example that popped into my head was Durham versus residence halls. Because nobody outside residence life says residence hall. I came, I came up through residence life. I get it. But <laughs> <laughs> at this stage in the process, it's a dorm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But boy, you should never try and say dorm on an official account. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point because there are so many acronyms and so much internal lingo that we use and don't even think about that might not make any sense at all to families. I had the exact same experience you know, teaching peers on campus um, about measurement and goals and all of that. And we jumped into KPIs and bless their soul, someone raised their hand and said, I don't know what a KPI is. And we make those assumptions all the time. So anybody listening, KPI is a key performance indicator. It's 
a metric you should measure uh, success by. But if we don't continually reflect on what our audiences are saying, what they're asking, what their experience looks like, it is incredibly easy to get caught up in our own set of stories in our head and the language that we use. Um, and social listening can continue to surface these sorts of things in a way that makes it almost impossible to ignore. Yeah, I think anyone who does a little bit of searching even can find a long list of things that students find confusing or don't understand. And we can do a lot to make the process easier by just pretend that we're talking to high school students, uh, which we actually are, rather than talking to people who already know what's going on. So how would people get started doing social listening, social monitoring today? What's something they could do to get started right away? So if what we're thinking about is kind of dipping your toes into social listening, I used to always say jump on Twitter and search for the name of your campus, but that is no longer my number one recommendation. I would recommend going on Reddit, which in case folks haven't been paying attention, is one of the top 10 websites in the United States and one of the fastest growing networks for young adults in terms of new adopters. TikTok is growing more, but Reddit is, is definitely on the rise. Go to Reddit and search for the name of your campus in the Reddit search bar to find either individual Reddit posts or to see if your campus has a dedicated subreddit, a, a subsection dedicated forum where people just talk about your campus or maybe even your city where your campus is located in. No matter how big your institution is, there is an extremely high likelihood that you will get an immediate glimpse into the minds of either your prospective students, your admitted students, or your current students, and potentially your alumni. And the conversation happening there is incredibly eye-opening. Now, if you're just dipping your toes in like this, you're only going to see a handful of individual conversations, but you might see things like students are making choices between two highly ranked institutions based on which one they can take their car to freshman year. Or that your particular search email marketing campaigns are like top 10 list of most annoying to a large section of students. Um, these things can be terrifying the first time you find them, but we're, we're in a different higher ed climate now than we were 10 or 15 years ago, particularly in recruitment and admissions. And if you're mm -hmm. not paying attention to what the consumer's thoughts and feelings are, then you're not going to be someone that thrives in this new world of a more consumer-driven admissions uh, climate. So after Reddit... <laughs> I would do the same thing on YouTube and I would look at two specific things. One, look at videos on YouTube that other people are making about your campus. Uh, more than likely, there's going to be at least one current or recent student who is doing some sort of like day in the life unofficial vlog that probably has more views than any of your official campus videos do. Said, now, look at wait a minute. <laughs> so you mean that piece that's 20 minutes of someone sitting on a couch uh, talking is not going to be the highest performing piece? Surprisingly, the 20-minute low-budget tour of my dorm room on move-in day will likely have <laughs> more views. But it's not just the views to look at. So yeah, see who's, what, what students are saying, you know, get to know those students, get in, make sure they're having a good experience. But then look at the comments. 
And particularly if these videos are older, if any of those comments are persisting like long after the video was published, and you'll start to get an idea of how students are forming perceptions of what campus life is like based on this user-generated content and comments all around the internet. And that'll just be the tip of the iceberg of what is potentially available there. And then when your mind is about to explode and you're realizing that there's so much you could be doing, that is when you might want to take a step back, think about this a little bit, you know, higher level, strategic. Don't try to respond to everything immediately, particularly if your campus hasn't authorized you to do so. But then that is where I'm really proud of all of the free resources that are available on Campus Sonar. So if you want to explore or what are other students doing or what are other campuses doing about this? How could this be used on both a micro or a macro level? level? Um, check out our blog, subscribe to our newsletter, follow us on Twitter. There's lots there that can kind of help you get your mind moving into how to incorporate this strategically on campus. I think one of the pitfalls is that people can really get hung up on negative reviews because they're not all positive. They're not all five stars. And they can get really defensive. They can, they can instead of taking it as constructive feedback or honest feedback, they can just say, no, 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 that can't be true and, and ignore right. it. Right. I think it's easier to think about this when you really internalize the idea that your brand for your institution really has nothing to do with what you say it is. Although there's a lot of really important branding and marketing efforts going on and, and investing in brand awareness is an excellent investment. At the end of the day, what your brand is in reality is what other people say it is. It's that prevailing sentiment of word of mouth, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of this particular institution. And if you are not paying attention to what other people are saying, you are dismissing that person or that group of people's influence on your brand with other people like them. I want to take a little break here to make sure this sinks in. This is one of the most important parts of this interview. What your brand is, is not what you say it is. It's not about the TV ads and all the branding campaigns. It's all about what people are saying about you. Okay, back to Liz. And if you need a data point, <laughs> we continually refer to the Edelman Trust Barometer. It's a study that's been going on for over a decade, both in the U.S. and around the, uh, around the world, about what people or institutions a member of the general public is most likely to trust or think is credible. And I think we can all agree that on the whole, people are less trustworthy now than they were five years ago, 10 years ago. And the data proves that out. And people who lead organizations, CEOs and presidents, they are not the most trusted individuals. So your president can be out there, you know, singing the praises of your institution. Of course they will be. That's their job. Um, your marketing department should be doing that. That is their job. But at the end of the day, the Edelman Trust Barometer has shown for the last few years a person like myself or somebody like me is always one of the top three most trustworthy individuals when you would consider a journalist, a CEO, a government official, an academic expert, a technical expert, um, a dozen other things. Someone just like them, who they feel like is going to have a similar experience, is who they trust. And if you are not paying attention to the image that your brand holds within 
just the people like the people you're trying to reach, you will lose the trust battle. And I think that's not a battle that campuses can afford to lose. Yeah, and I think that I saw that from you on Twitter. Campus Sonar did share it this week. But yep, you're lucky the new that. data just came out like two weeks ago. We've always got our eyes open for their new data. <laughs> so how do you make a case to your director, your dean, your VP to invest in social listening? Rather than just make it one more piece uh, on someone else's plate, like that part-time social media person. They just need one oh, more thing. Oh, don't ask them to do that on their own because they can't. Um, bless their hearts. <laughs> I would first advise, figure out what you can use social listening to achieve. You know, we talked about a lot of that already. And focus on those outcomes along with the process. I do think it's a marriage there. The outcomes are going to be things that any campus is interested in, right? Improving yield, improving engagement, whether that's with prospects or alumni or current students, differentiating your message in an increasingly competitive market, or even from an intelligence standpoint, understanding what the competition and peer institutions are doing. All of those are valid outcomes that have a really good alignment with social listening. So work the two together and don't be afraid to adjust language if necessary. So social listening resonates with some people. Social media research might resonate better with other people. Uh, online conversation intelligence or analysis might resonate better with people. It really depends kind of what frame of reference your, your VP, your dean or your president is coming from. So think about like these overall outcomes that you're that you're going to go after. And if you want to do this at scale, like it, it will be an investment. So it would be smart to identify opportunities for different areas of campus to collaborate. Uh, if you can get buy in from admissions for recruitment and yield purposes and get buy in from Central Com because they want to do some brand research and really understand, like, what does that trust level look like in our audience? And then maybe alumni and development also wants to, you know, develop better donor appeals or engage young alumni. Together, you can do a lot more than if you were all three trying to do it on your own. And I think thinking through those use cases can be really important. A vice president once told me that they thought that social listening was so endlessly adaptable that it was the only thing that could help all of the problems that are coming out of higher education. That is a, a big statement. <laughs> I'm attributing it to the person who said it because I don't know that I would say all. Um, yeah, that, that's pretty big there. <laughs> uh, but many um, on, both, on both sides of the enrollment funnel, um, in terms of brand and you know engaging with legislatures, like there's a lot that social listening could help with. So try to put those dots together instead of just saying, we need to do social listening because no matter how hard we try at Campus Sonar, some folks are still just gonna equate social listening with social media. And it is so much more than that. And then one other thing I'd add, if, if you are trying to make a case with your executive leadership to invest, um, Campus Sonar did make a handout that is literally called how to talk to executives about social listening. Um, that's available for free. Folks can get it at info.campussonar.com slash strategic. Yeah, we'll be sure to include that link in the show notes so people can find that as well. Great. They can always tweet us. We'll help them out. Yeah, 
And every time I read something coming out of Campus Sonar or talk to you, Liz, I can honestly say I'm learning a lot. I've got a page of notes again here. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much. Of course. Thanks for having me. 